0: This is Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 120, Can I Really Use That Picture? With our guest, Samantha Lyle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab. This is Greg Gazin. Today, we have a special guest, Samantha Lyle. She's an independent journalist, editor, blogger, and content manager, and some of her work has been published on sites like Huffington Post, Thrive Global, BuzzFeed, The Richest, WikiHow, the QuickBooks Small Business Center, Wall Street Insanity, Wide Open Spaces, and many, many more. On the line from Ozark, Missouri, Samantha Lyle, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, Greg. How are you?
0: Fantastic. I was reading through my LinkedIn feed and I came across a really interesting article that you had written. And I think it was entitled, can I use this picture or can I use this photo? As you scroll through Facebook and you look online, you see all kinds of people posting things that I think is pretty obvious that they're probably not supposed to, especially since you see no photo credits attached to it. Tell us a little bit about the article that you had written and maybe we can share some, some tips and tricks with our listeners
1: it's no joke that it's known as the wild, wild web. And you're right. People just copy and paste at will. And a lot of that work was made by somebody looking to support themselves. And, you know, just like, I don't want someone to copy a news article that I wrote and not give me credit. These photographers, you know, they don't want to lose out either. There's different ways that they can license their images and, it lets people know, okay, I cannot use this, I need to purchase this, or maybe they are okay with you sharing this.
0: There's probably some surprises as well in terms of people thinking, well, this doesn't belong to me, I probably can't use it. How would someone start? So let's say someone wants, now, of course, there are people that will just blatantly grab and copy stuff, but if someone is doing a presentation, or perhaps they want to do a critique, or they're just looking at doing even a parody, is there sort of a Process that they should start of and say, okay, here's the picture now, what should I do?
1: There actually is a process that you can go through, and we actually created a really useful flowchart um, with the article, and it will guide people through that process. You know, first thing you need to ask yourself is, do I own this image? Did I take this photo? And if not, then you need to look at the next step, which is How is this photo licensed? Does it have a Creative Commons license? Or is the photographer selling it? You know, that'll let you know if it's free to use. If it's not, then there are questions you can ask yourself about how you're going to use the photo. And there are things in the United States, we call it fair use. Um, I think in Canada, you said that it's called fair dealing.
0: that's correct, yes,
1: but you know it'll if you're going to say, use it just for your own personal use, put it on your desktop or something, you know that's probably okay if you're a teacher and you're wanting to use it in a lesson in your classroom, that's probably okay. but If you're putting on your blog where you also sell ads, where you can be making a profit from that content, then that would not be okay. That's why this flowchart that we made is really helpful because there's just a lot of questions involved to make that determination.
0: We'll make sure that we put a link to the article and the flowchart in the show notes.
1: Great. Once I start trying to take people through this flowchart, I'm realizing There's just a lot of zigzags you can take to make your determination. So it's really kind of helpful to take a look at that.
0: Absolutely. Now, of course, we will say that neither of us are experts, although Samantha did an incredible job in terms of her research with uh, the article. We're also not giving any legal advice. So it's just to give you an idea to say, hey, you know what, maybe I should be thinking twice or maybe I should be getting some proper and legal advice before I actually use this picture. You talked about Creative Commons. Can you for someone who's not familiar with that, could you share a little bit about what that is and what that means?
1: Yes, the Creative Commons organization, um it's like a worldwide organization and they manage licenses that vary on the openness of use whether it's photos or images or, you know, even software. They really make it so anyone can easily add their own license. And then others can know how they can share it, and it's not so vague. Creative Commons licenses can include labels like able to distribute or attribution required, or, you know, it can say that the uh, content can be altered or if it can't be altered. Um, It also can label whether it's okay for anyone to use it, um, including commercial use, or whether it's only for non-commercial use. And there is explanations of all these licenses on the creativecommons.org website.
0: Creativecommons.org, it's great. Earlier on, you had mentioned, I thought it was really, really interesting. A lot of people have blogs, they're just putting up information, they're not trying to make any money, etc. But yet, some of them will have a Google ad or maybe an affiliate link. And I just thought that changes the whole ballgame.
1: It really does. Um, you know, if there's any form of monetary exchange going on there, then the original owner of that image can want to be compensated if you're using that. Now, there are exceptions and how I you know, mentioned earlier, fair use. And, you know, if you are, say doing a criticism, say you're writing a book review, you can use an image of that book without getting permission. Parody type things. Now, of course, that's a little bit, how are you going to parody an image? But if that's your line of work, (laughs) you may be able to do that. But if it's any kind of gray area, you'll probably want to contact, you know, a copyright attorney or at least contact the image owner, You know, make sure that it's okay with them. You get their permission first.
0: I'm thinking of caricatures. Sometimes people will exaggerate features of celebrities, et cetera, or maybe something that's going on in the news. Would that be considered a parody? Possibly?
1: Yes. Now, in terms of images, I guess, say you look at a photo that a professional photographer took of a celebrity. You use that photo as, you know, your source for creating your caricature that would probably be considered a parody.
0: Interesting. Again, when we decided we were going to have this chat, I did a little bit of research again on, on Canada, and it's it's interesting because there are some similarities, but there are some differences. And as you mentioned earlier, okay. the uh, the fair dealing, I was actually just reading this. It looks like in Canada, with respect to fair dealing, again, I'm not giving any legal advice, it says that the Canadian Copyright Act outlines permitted unauthorized use, that's what they call it, of copyrighted Mm -hmm. materials for specific mandated purposes. So they actually outline some of the things that you can use it for, or you can potentially apply fair dealing. And that includes just some of the things that you said, research, private study, education, parody, satire, criticism, and it goes on and on. And of course, the news. And interestingly enough, and it's Copyright Act of Canada, section 29, for things like research, private study, education, parody, and satire, there's actually no special requirements, supposedly.
1: It's very similar, you know, in the U.S. And copyright law, it can be so subjective. You know, a lot of times the final decision in, in dispute isn't even made until it goes to court or they settle out of court. What if the person who re- reproduced the image thought that they were doing a parody, but the original copyright owner disagreed. So if in doubt in any way, it's probably best to go for the safe decision and not use it without getting permission.
0: It's interesting. Cause I'm thinking back way back when this is years ago when Paul Simon wrote the song again, we're talking about photos, but this is music and he wrote mm-hmm. the song Kodachrome. And I understand that Kodak wanted to take action against them, but realize that it was pretty cheap advertising and great PR for them. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's exactly, you know, the way things can go sometimes. But with people on the web, you know, it's becoming a problem with Instagram. You know, somebody thinks, oh, I have an Instagram. I can just pick up this image and go put it on my website. If I put it on Instagram, they meant to share it with the world. Yes, they might have wanted to share it, but they don't mean that the whole world can use it. So, doing that can get, say, a blogger in a lot of trouble. They can even get their site shut down.
0: That share button seems to be just too easy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. It's the truth. (laughs) Well, there are instances where the owner of an image, especially, say, infographics, will share it on their own site um, with an embed code, you know, and then the rules that they want you to follow if you want to use that image that they created they still own the image but they're giving you a way to share it and you just need to make sure that you follow their guidelines and then you should be okay
0: yeah no absolutely i was wondering if you know if you're aware of if you let's say take an image let's say there's actually an actual image and you have permission to use it again it says unaltered but if it happens to be cropped or sometimes it may get auto cropped because you're using it in one application and its image size was designed for another, would that be considered an infringement? Are you aware if that might be?
1: It really depends on whether that crop changes the content of the image. So for example, you know, if it's cutting off the top of a crowd scene, then that would probably be okay. But if it's a picture of two people and you crop one of them out, then that would be, you know, altering it.
0: Well, that's interesting. That's right, because you can get a totally different image in your mind as to what this picture meant and what it was all about. Exactly. You'd mentioned public domain earlier. Maybe let's talk a little bit about that. Are there special rules and requirements and, and what is referred to as public domain?
1: Well, there's Public domain, domain means it's out there, anybody can use it, anybody can alter it, pretty much do what they want with it, and there's no attribution required. Generally, something can be in the public domain if the original copyright or republished copyright even has expired. If the copyright owner didn't follow the copyright renewal rules, which would mean, again, that it they allowed it to expire, and... Um, If the copyright owner deliberately places it in the public domain, so for example, there's a Creative Commons license CC0 that basically puts the image in the public domain, or if there's some type of work that copyright law doesn't apply, which when we're talking about images, that's really not going to be the case unless, say, it's security camera footage or something that a person didn't really have much creativity involved in that so for example in the united states anything published before 1924 is in the public domain um, and you can use it without permission so i tend to like that for (laughs) say great works of art say leonardo da vinci paintings put all over the internet and that's okay because they are not under copyright. Or old-time photographs, you find a photograph of Abraham Lincoln. That's going to be in the public domain, so you are free to use it. Um, I'm not sure what the date would be in Canada. I haven't looked into that, but I'm sure there's probably a certain date that anything prior to that is now be in the public domain.
0: So that's assuming that the copyright hadn't been renewed, right? Or it doesn't matter. Is anything before 1924 considered in, in the public domain?
1: Anything before that date is in the public domain. That's interesting. If I'm not mistaken, um, I think that, that has to do with when certain copyright laws were initially passed.
0: I know in Canada things are a little bit a little bit different and of course this US Mexico Canada free trade agreement, <laughs> that might change things as well. It might. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about the in the US as well, you mentioned expired or if the copyright was relinquished or that are published by the government. I believe, are also public domain in the U.S., if that's still the case. Yes. In Canada, that doesn't apply.
1: (laughs) Okay. I will say most things published by the government. There are some cases, say they contract an independent graphic designer for something. There are cases when the graphic designer will still own part of that copyright to their work. But if it's like, say, an infographic that is on a government website, the government is not allowed to copyright that. In the
0: United States. <laughs> in Canada, the copyright is life plus 50 years. I think in the US it's okay. 75, I believe. Although, again, things might change. And I also read that sound recordings are exempt from that. So it's, uh, that's changed. You actually just brought up something really interesting as you were speaking. If you take a photo, you may or may not necessarily own the copyright on it, especially if you're working for somebody else, right? Yes. If
1: you're working, if you're taking it as part of your job, then chances are your employer will own that image. But in fact, in the United States at least, unless someone else owns it through you know, employment or contract, um, anyone automatically owns a copyright of any image they take or any image they create. They don't have to do anything to own that copyright.
0: So the bottom line is check it out before using it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> With that, can you offer any sites or sources or places where people can get images that they can use for free, or perhaps they're so inexpensive that instead of worrying about being sued, they can just buy it for a few bucks?
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of great websites where you can get free images. One of my favorites is Pixabay. They were mostly CC0, Creative Commons, you know, public domain, free access. A few months ago, and they changed and Now, their images are licensed under their own Pixabay license, which basically is you can use this for whatever and you don't need to attribute it. I've been using free sites for different blogs for years, and in the past, some of them, the images, a lot of them looked like somebody took it with their Polaroid in the backyard, and they weren't the best. So, if you really wanted good quality ones, you would need to purchase that license through a source like Getty Images or iStock Images. But a lot of the free sites have really upped their caliber. And, you know, like I mentioned, Pixabay has a lot of not only great photos, but even some great photo designs, you know, that someone has, you know, done some extra work after the fact. Texel, P-E-X-E-E-L-S, that's another popular one you know, that are free for non-commercial and commercial, no attribution required. You know, those are a couple of my favorites, but people use things like unsplash images. A lot of photographers will publish images on Flickr that are free to use as long as you give them attribution. Really, if you Google something like free stock images, you will get so many sites that you won't even know where to begin. (laughs)
0: Make sure that your virus protection is up to date because there could be potentially some phishing sites that you may end up at.
1: That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yes, you want to be a little bit more discernible than just going to whatever pops up in your search engine.
0: Have you had any surprises with respect to image publishing yourself?
1: The sites that I write for and contribute to, I don't actually own. So if there was an issue... The site owner would be the one to find out about that, but not as far as I know. But I do have to tell you that um, based on when I first started creating web content several years ago, I look back and think a lot of a lot of cases that that probably wasn't right to use that image, or we probably could have gotten in trouble for that. But a lot of those sites aren't even up anymore, so I don't, can't sleep over it at this point.
0: Uh, taking the George Carlin approach, he says, cop didn't see it, I didn't do it, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess so. But, you know, if I were to build my own site, I would be a lot more cautious than I've seen, um, you know, in a few cases. Yeah,
0: There are also some sites that will tell you, if you upload a photo to it, it will tell you if it's found anywhere else. Have you seen those?
1: Yes you can do it with pretty much any reverse image search and see if anyone has used your image. You know, if you're concerned that someone has done so without permission or without giving you proper credit, Google is constantly working on more um, image recognition technology. And as that becomes easier and easier to search images, photographers are going to have a lot more tools to their disposal to find out for sure has anybody stolen my work and it will give them, you know, some more legal recourse because, you know, for the longest time, everybody may know that all over the web are stolen images, but there really wasn't a good way to track it.
0: And are we seeing the photo police out there? Any knowledge of that?
1: <laughs> I have not seen the photo police. <laughs> I don't think in most cases it's a criminal charge. <laughs> I think it's more of a civil action, but someone's trying to support themselves with their images, then you know, they're gonna have good reason to be upset if someone else is profiting without giving them their due. Yeah.
0: Hopefully most people will take the high road, we hope. Yes. Samantha, this has been an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I was wondering if someone wanted to get a hold of your reach you or maybe point them to a direction where they can find some of your work.
1: Absolutely, that would be great. Most of my work is on um my online portfolio website. And that is uh, pretty simple to find. It's Samantha Lyle at CarbonMade dot com. Um that's Carbon like the element element <laughs> <laughs> made M A D E dot com. And there you can find um, links to my author's pages on all sorts of different websites, as well as even copies of some of my print portfolio.
0: Fantastic. We'll also put information in the show notes on some of the resources that you offered. And Lyle is L-I-L-E.
1: Yes, L-I-L-E.
0: Samantha Lyle, it's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thanks. You have a great day, Greg. Thanks for uh, the talk.
0: Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps. With our ratings, plus also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin. Geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, This short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at OutsmartingTheButterflies.com.